This is Kelsey Weiss, and you're listening to Follow Your Spirit. All right, Spirit Family, welcome back to another episode of Follow Your Spirit. This week, uh, well, I guess today, because I've already released an episode this week, uh, today I have from Backline Soccer, Monica, Monica, Monica Essenwine. Uh, thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. It's funny, I said Monica, and then I thought, oh, I said that wrong. And then when I said it the second time, I was like, nope, that is right. And so that's where... <laughs> That's where the three repetitions of your name came from. Oddly enough, it's usually the last name that catch people, not the first name. Yeah, and I think it's because I focused so much on getting the last name right, I totally like threw myself on whether like on hey maybe maybe I said her first name wrong. Um, last night, for those of you that couldn't uh, that couldn't help but be distracted by the other narrative that was going on, uh, the spirit clinched a home playoff game. Uh, in a what I thought was a well-played 2-1 victory. Um, should have been an epic night for the Spirit, ended up being sort of a mediocre night um, headline-wise because of um, the other thing that occurred. I am vaguely talking about it because it'll be the last thing we talk about because I want to talk about what's truly important, Monica, and you and I are both Spirit fans. We've had the opportunity and the privilege to uh, go to the Plex, watch these ladies play, and watch this amazing Spirit team prove everybody wrong. Exactly. That they are not only a playoff team, but a contender. Correct, correct. So let's go, you and I... I think our um, familiarity with each other didn't really come until maybe a third of the way into the season. We were unfamiliar with each other at the beginning. Preseason or going into the first week, even as a homer, what was sort of your realistic expectations for the spirit for the full season? Um, I was expecting another playoff run. Um, they obviously first season, for those of you who, who don't know, um, they were bottom of the league. They were basically the Boston um, of of the league. And um, then uh, the last two seasons, they, they've squeaked in in fourth place. And the last two years, they, they've lost to Seattle in the semifinals. So I was expecting um, a top four place. Uh, I, I was hoping for a first place or a second place, but um, I surely wasn't expecting this type of run. Uh, I'm not complaining. I'm definitely enjoying it. But, um, yeah, I was definitely expecting a, a playoff run for sure. Um, this is definitely a pleasant a pleasant experience and pleasant surprise. Yeah, absolutely. I um, blissfully, as a newcomer, was like, of course they'll make the playoffs. But even even with looking at the – even trying to objectively look at the, um, the statistics and who they brought on and – um, their personnel with the way that Coach Cabrera um, approaches game planning, I was confident that they were at least a playoff team. It's very surprising because some, I'm not going to name anybody, some respected members of NWSL media had them in bottom three, bottom four tier. Correct. 
Like, had, had them not only missing the playoffs, but being a team that would be unhopeful for the playoffs, early, like, at this point in the season. Right. And not only are they wrong in the playoff sense, but not only do they know they're going to the playoffs, they know they're hosting, hosting a home game. So I think that uh, it's been very exciting, uh, to say the least, to watch the Spirit prove all those critics wrong. Which... Um, which player has been most exciting for you to watch? Honestly, this season, I got to give it up for Jojo Loman. Um, mm-hmm. Her and that magical mane, she's really, and, and she gets, <laughs> she gets um, overlooked sometimes um, by, you know, Diana Matheson and, and even um, Christine Nairn in, in midfield. Um, but Jojo is a very solid, consistent player. Um, she's one of those players who doesn't always have to score, but when she does, it, it's usually, you know, it's that header or it's that goal where you're just like, did she just do that? And you forget she's 32, 33 years old. And 34? Oh, she, did she turn 34 this season? I can't, I couldn't yeah. remember. Um, I know she and Dee were close in age. Um, yeah, 34. Well, I should say, well, yeah, because Allie and I are also that top tier of 30s. Um, mm-hmm. But... She just has really, like in those big moments when the national teamers were away, and I guess I guess it's more prominent now because Crystal hasn't been scoring um, until obviously Wednesday night. Um, but she's just been that one, I think, just constant this season that when um, coming out of nowhere, there's JoJo with a flying header or, you know, she's just a finding the ball in the back. and putting it away. Um, I see is really stepping it up um, this season for us. So you mentioned Crystal Dunn finally got her uh, first goal of the season. Um, she definitely has not been – she's definitely been contributing to the team, right? Correct. So uh, this, you know, this – any sort of worry that people have tried to put into this narrative of her not having uh, a goal did not exist among Spirit fans because um, I think she has, what, five assists, yes. I believe, on the season. Um, she has been contributing in greatly um, on offensive attacks. Even if she didn't, doesn't get the assists, a lot of times she at least has a touch on the ball during a scoring play, stuff like that. Um, but it's, as a Spirit fan... Watching Crystal Dunn rip that one into the net, <laughs> it felt really good to know that it's it's still there. It, it is, and that's you know one thing it, when um, when I talked to Gabar and he, I mean, we he mentioned it a couple of times. Um, Impressors, he purposely built this team so that Crystal didn't have to be the sole provider, so that she could work on you know being someone who. Ooh, because it, what p- most people don't know is she was a defender through college at UNC. She has been a defender most of her life. It is just recently that they have converted her into a striker. So her game still isn't complete up front. So she's still a, a work in progress. So I wasn't concerned about her not scoring because she was getting the assist. She was playmaking. She was she's still a big enough threat that she would pull people away and people would be left open like Joe or like D or Benini benefited from it a lot. Um, what people don't understand and what they, especially with strikers is 
they think if they're not scoring goals, they're failing. And that's just not always true. Um, they are just contributing in another way. And I think Crystal's been huge on that this year. And she even mentioned, you know, I'm working on a lot of a lot of parts of my game. She's trying to become a more complete player. And I think she's accomplishing that this year. And I think even though we'll all say we weren't really concerned about Crystal not scoring, I think it was a weight lifted off of her shoulders um, that she did score. And, I mean, hey, if she wants to rip another one like that, uh, you know what? I'll wait another 18 weeks, boo. Like, go ahead, do your thing, because that was gorgeous. I think the only one that might possibly beat that out for goal of the week is Kristen Press's just absolute gorgeous textbook strike. Um, I think those would be the top two for uh, goals of the week. There's only one player in the league that I'm okay with beating a spirit on uh, goal of the week, and that would be Kristen Press. But that's for another day. Uh, <laughs> Nothing wrong there. Uh, yeah, I was super disappointed that she wasn't with that she wasn't with Chicago or she wasn't with the team when they came to uh, to the Plex because I was hoping that um, she was one of the players that doesn't play for the Spirit that I'm looking for a chance to talking to in in person. Yeah, she's um, a good person. Yeah. Um, you said Joanna Loman, someone that's been exciting to watch. Who do you, who do you think has been a surprise this year? Who's really taken you back on on their contributions to the team? Um. Ooh. Let's see. While while you think, I um, I know we we knew she was good, and it doesn't surprise anybody how good she has been playing. But I think that she even exceeded some of those expectations. Uh, Stefania Benini, um, unfortunately. You know, had knee or had knee surgery, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, and if the Spirit were to make it to the finals, could be available for that game. Um, but there's been some games this season where she is unquestionably the most talented person on the field, or at least is displaying the most talent. I guess oh, that, that's the, that's the way that I want to say that. But um, you know, we're just her her. Her touches, her technical skills, you know, some of the goals she's made. Um, I can think of two. Um, I can't think of which games it were, but I can remember two specific moments this season where, at one point in the match, it was so clear that Estefania Benini was just the person to beat on the field. Oh, she she she's an amazing player. She, um, of course, growing up in Argentina, you know, football is football there. Um, Yep. Like it is in Brazil, like it is in Spain, like it is in most other countries other than the United States. And I, I made the joke, and she loved the tweet, um, that when Lionel Messi decided to retire for about two months, you know, Argentina, here's your number 10. I already found yeah. her. She's about, you know, five foot tall. Uh, we can dye her hair blonde if we need to. But she's just one of those players that she gets lost in the shuffle because she's so small. But that works to her advantage because you don't see her. And out of nowhere, she's going to come up, she's going to snake the ball from you, and she's going to put it home. She can finish with the best of them. She is all over the pitch at all times. There, She drives defenses crazy. And I would love to know how many miles a game she actually runs because she covers every blade of grass that is between the chalk lines. And it's great to watch. Going to um, definitely switching gears here on uh, on topic, but they clinched the home field uh, playoff game. 
Right now, Spirit and Portland, only two teams to have that clinch playoff berth. Flash, uh, Red Stars, and Rain, all still in it. Um, and I say all, there's only three of them. But of those three, I guess the question, do you think the Rain have a chance? Do you think the Rain can, can pull off the math- mathematical uh, likelihood of, of getting that getting their playoff spot, or do you think the top four are the four we're going to see in the playoffs? Um, I believe the top four are the ones we're going to see in the playoffs, but I think if the Rain have a chance, they need to beat us on Saturday. They need to win their last game, and we need to beat Chicago. And Chicago needs to lose these next two games. Um, Call me a homer, and that's fine because I'm all for it, but I I don't see... I don't see Seattle really changing that much um, against the Spirit. I don't see the Spirit letting up. Um, I think they want that shield. And yeah. I, I think that it's just been, you know, I talked to um, I talked to Allie Krieger last week. I talked to Stephanie LeBay on Monday. And I said to both of them, I pretty much asked them the same question. Um, how was it knowing um, when you went, you know, away for for the Olympics, to head to the Olympics, knowing that your team was still winning. Yeah. And, and LeBay was like, you know, it's a great feeling. She's like, you know, Weiss went through this last year w- with Ashlyn being away um, for the World Cup, and she's like, I knew when I left that, like, you know, it, it's been a battle with them all year, and they just keep pushing each other and pushing each other and training. And, you know, Allie said the same thing. She said, we're so deep. And she was like, at one point, I thought to myself, do I even need to go back? Hmm. Like, I can just hang out on the bench and, you know, watch them play because everyone who stepped up and filled in their role, she said at one point, you felt like they not only did their job, but they at some points did it better than what we were doing before we left. And I think that that's a huge statement, especially coming from someone like Allie Krieger, who's a captain, but, you know, as, as big of a name as she is, depending upon who you talk to, number one or two best right back in the world. Saying that, you know, this team believes in each other and we all know our role and we all play our role and when it's someone's jersey number that gets called, you go in the game and it's like you didn't even miss the person that you pulled out for. And that's what a team is supposed to be. And I think that they've just gotten that right this year. Possibly. Possibly the last question before we move on to the second segment. <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned LeBay um, competing with Weiss throughout the season. Um, it's kind of funny. At the beginning of the season, I talked to uh, when I talked to Coach Gabera on Media Day. Uh, you know, Weiss had proven herself while Ashton was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, LeBay was the newcomer. We knew LeBay was talented, but was there enough time? Because they checked in late. Right. And, um, was there enough time for her to get the starting position? I asked him, is it safe to assume that Weiss has the starting spot in game one? And he's like, no, nah, I don't think that's safe to assume. And I was wrong. Um, and then going, like, I sort of, I didn't ask the same question, but hinted at, like, all right, LeBay's back. Like, is this a competition again? And he openly admitted that it's a headache for him on trying to on right. deciding who gets that position and I think he's just sort of defaulting to we're not gonna we're not gonna fix what's not broken, right. and it's sort of Weiss's position to lose. I've seen a lot of fans sort of upset that LeBay has 
it's to some fans it seems like she lost her job because she went to the Olympics, you know. Right. And when you look at it like that, it seems very unfair. But it's also unfair for Kelsey to put in so much work and simply be dismissed because uh, LeBay came back. What are your thoughts on this goalkeeper battle? Um, uh, LeBay actually kind of answered this a little bit. She said that um, she said that there was never a clear cut one or two. Um, she has the number one jersey. Um, you know, Weiss has the number 18, but she said all season it's been a battle. And I think that's why it's been, we've been so good in that back five. Um, I think whoever's hot at the moment and whoever the back line is feeling comfortable with is who you need to go with. Um, I don't think it's right or wrong. Of course you want your quote unquote number one, the person in the one jersey out there. And I think there are times where LeBay makes, better decisions than Weiss does, but also vice versa. Um, so I think it's also going to depend on the team that they're playing. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot. Like, you know, maybe Weiss last season did really, really well against Seattle. So why not play her against Seattle? Um, you know, this this isn't the U.S. Women's National Team where we ride Hope Solo until U.S. Soccer decides that they're done with her. This is this is a team where you have a real legit because Kelsey Weiss goes anywhere else in the league and she's a starter. She's a number yeah. one, hands down. Um, she's great. Uh, this is the kind of issue that Seattle kind of had when, when Hope was still playing. Um, Kottmeyer goes anywhere and she's a number one. Um, and so it, it's, it's a great problem to have, but it's a double-edged sword. Um, but I think that a lot of people sit there and say, well, it's bad because you don't have a clear-cut number one. You're right, but we have two goalkeepers giving it their everything in training, giving us absolutely everything on the pitch, and literally giving their best because they're not comfortable. And at some points, that's okay. You kind of want that that drive to go, no, I I want to be in this game, and it elevates them. And so it, it can help, but I see where it, it could also be detrimental. So... Yeah. So far, so, so good, I guess, for us. Stephanie, yeah. Stephanie LeBay still, since leaving for the Olympics, still tied for first in the league in clean sheets with five. Uh, Barnhart, Solo, Nair, all three, uh, or the three of them also have five. You look at Kelsey Weiss, and she has unfortunately been robbed of so many clean sheet opportunities mm-hmm. Um, because of just either a break on the back line for, like, the, the 80th minute equalizer uh, on Saturday. Uh, last night, she they suffered a penalty kick. There was another penalty kick during the Olympic break that Kelsey had to deal with. And right. these aren't excuse. You know, obviously, she still has a job, and she still plays a role in defending those goals. But I feel like there's been a couple games that looked like they were going to be a clean sheet opportunity for her, and then she had just a very unfortunate, like one play just went wrong, like went wrong on the back line right. or the penalty kicks, and it just the odds of her getting a clean sheet crumble. And I think that's the one uh, comparison that sort of I, I think in the fans' eyes and in some of the other um, people doing team analysis, they look, you know they see LeBay with these clean sheets, Weiss giving up some goals, but. Why still with a slight edge on safe percentage? So she's been, you know, she 
when there's a shot on goal, she percentage-wise is saving uh, more shots from ending up as goals. So, right. um, you know, you can data mine all you want for which team, which player should could be better, and I'm sure it just adds to the headache that Coach Cabrera has to has to uh, deal with. Right, and you can sit there and you you can compare numbers all day, um, and you obviously you know anybody on defense will tell you we aim for a clean sheet. Um, yep. And you always aim for a clean sheet. It's kind of like a, a little uh, little badge of honor. But at the same time, you aim for the W. Yep. Um, and as long as they're still winning, um, honestly, I think that back line is comfortable with whoever you drop in as, as the keeper. I think the team uh, believes in every single person on the bench and even their reserves who have stepped up and, and come in. Um, at this point, I think they're they're in the mindset where it doesn't matter what 11 are on the pitch because that 11 can get the job done. So I think the worry is more in the mindset of the fans because it's not really been conventional. In the last two seasons, they've had Ashlyn Harris. Ashlyn Harris is your number one. Um, but this year, it's not so. Um, it's it's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, I think Gabara definitely has a headache trying to decide which 11 he's putting on the pitch, uh, not just which keeper is going in between the posts. Yeah, saying put any eleven out there and they're gonna uh, make it work. Last night was a great example. Mm-hmm. Uh, the names Dunn, Huster, Krieger, Loman, and Oyster were not in the starting lineup. No. Dunn, of course, comes in super early in the game after Callie Farkasen goes down, um, which definitely you know with her goal and with what was sort of a uh, um, pseudo uh, assist to Shana Williams. Um, definitely contributed to the success of the team, but she wasn't in the starting lineup. Uh, in Loman and I can't remember who the other sub was. I was too distracted. Yeah, actually, Krieger else. went in. There we go. Um, you know they don't come in until later, but you know Gabera puts a very unconventional uh, starting lineup out there, and they still get it done. Right. And I think that's it was further proof of how deep this team is. Well, and that's like Ali Ali mentioned in the interview I did with her. You know. During the during the break, five starters were unavailable, and these aren't just five starters. These are the likes of Diana Matheson. This is Allie Krieger. This is Crystal Dunn. This is Stephanie LeBay, and this is Shalina Zardarsky. All not only top five, like five starters on this team, but five quality starters on not, on an international level for teams that are in the top five internationally in women's football. These are the some of the top of the top players. And we didn't miss a beat. You know, Ali was right. At times, you forgot that the national teamers weren't there unless somebody mentioned the fact that their number wasn't on the pitch. And I think that's that's a testament to how hard this team has worked. Um, the leadership of those five and the belief that they've put in that team that we know when we're gone, you've got this. And uh, the type of atmosphere that, that the coaching staff has um, – put out there and put in the locker room that we believe in every single one of you. We know no matter who we put out there, that 11 is going to do the job. And that's huge for a team. Um, To accomplish what they've accomplished this year, it's that mindset. And then with the Olympians coming back, all five of them have completely refocused, have completely – they're all in. Absolutely. It's going to be very exciting to see. And you don't really see that too often. 
Yeah. Um, having a group of, of a core of a team, and um, that's why they're sitting in first place. Going to be exciting next couple weeks to see how you, you know the team and, and the staff want the shield. I know they want the number one spot. Um, but, you know, they definitely want a playoff win and a, and a championship even more. Interested to see if Gabera tries for wins or just tries to protect from losses. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and see which of those. Um, and not starting lineup, I know we're going to see trying the wins, but when it comes to, like, substitutions, resting, and stuff like that, if it leans to- more towards on let's protect the players while just trying to not lose uh, – not trying to lose this game. Right. Uh, so let's spend a few minutes, and a few minutes, I mean, probably a little bit more than that, um, <laughs> discussing what has sort of um, hijacked the narrative of the game last night. Right. And um, those of you who watched the game and saw the reactions, you know the word hijack comes straight from it. Um Megan Rapino, mm-hmm. is it Rapino? Yes, Rapino. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Every time I say it, I'm like, I think I'm saying that right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She um, again when she was in Chicago, knelt during the national anthem, and her first um, defense—not defense, but explanation of it was um, to sort of support Kaepernick, and that she thought he was being treated horribly, and that she admitted that she, as a, uh, as a gay American has felt oppressed by her own country. Um, coming into last night's game, the the game gets delayed, gets started again, warm-ups happen. When the teams go into the locker room, I wasn't there, but obviously I'm, I'm watching, uh, you know, the, the tweets and everything in, in real time. The national anthem just starts playing. And... There's a lot of confusion. Apparently, media wasn't even informed. Um, Jeff Bush, um, the commissioner of the NWSL, was there, and he didn't know that's what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's a problem, then, by the way. That's a huge yeah. problem. Yeah. I mean, talk about a guy who's dealt with enough. The last thing you want to do is blindside him with more BS. Right. And so, the and then immediately after, it's almost like almost a minute after the national anthem stops playing. They sent out a press release explaining um, what happened. And in summary, owner Bill Lynch, who is an Air Force veteran, uh, wanted to protect the the ceremony of playing the national anthem at a sporting event from what they say the, a hijacking that is that would have been uh, Rapino's kneeling and play the national anthem. Early. Now, I have a few things I want to say about this that I've been sort of dwelling on, and then, Monica, I'll let you say your piece as well. Because right. uh, unlike you, I could not channel my emotions enough to get it into some formidable writing like yesterday. <laughs> so I shook is... for a good 45 minutes with anger. Yeah. So my it took me so long to process how I really felt about it. And I processed it through uh, tweets all last night. I felt really, I actually felt guilty that I was doing more complaining about that than I was talking about the game, because that's definitely unfair to the players, which 
which adds to the irony of that he didn't want the national anthem to be hijacked, but his decision then hijacked the entire narrative exactly. of the game, the hot, the headlines and everything. It wasn't until well into the second half that people started uh, ca- like actually talking about the game. I think it was, it was Crystal Dunn's goal that really just sort of shook everybody up and start and we started talking about Spirit again. Right. I, as a... I don't. I hate doing this as a veteran, but I want to add some sort of context to what I'm about to say. As a Marine Corps veteran, you earned that, uh, right? Yeah, you've earned I, that to absolutely say that at any point in time that you feel right. But I don't want. I don't want. I hate it when people are like as a veteran, as in like I am more informed on this. But I'm just providing context in my in my perspective. I one could care less if Colin Kaepernick sat down. Um, he's already a, a, a sort of a D-bag. I don't need <laughs> right. I don't need more, uh, you know, and I feel weird now because now I'm like almost okay with Colin Kaepernick because of all this. Um, but Rapino's decision to kneel honestly could not be a more respectful way to protest the flag. Could there be a less offensive way to protest anything than to simply take a knee? And it's like Colin Kaepernick at least was like sitting down and almost looking like he's not paying attention. Rapino in the Chicago was facing the flag, looking at the flag, just happened to be on one knee. And it's just a quiet reminder of I'm in support of the protest that you know is occurring. And that's it. Right. And for Bill Lynch, and I understand the older generation um, and anybody who, I don't know what sort of, if he, what sort of deployments he saw or whatnot, but anybody who's been involved in the military and either personally knows people that either died in combat or while serving or feel um, an affinity for those, you know, those service members, it, you know, the national anthem, the flag, the flag especially, and I think it's, we're making a big deal about the national anthem because it's associated with the flag, but it's mo- mostly the flag just represents all things that are great uh, about America, and I think that protesting it, unfortunately, makes us <laughs> remind us there's a lot of things that aren't great about it. Right. And it's difficult to follow that. Um, but as a as someone who identifies a little bit more as a libertarian, at first I was like, whatever, it's Bill Lynch's decision, and then as an American and a veteran and everything else that I am, I'm like, no, it was still a really poor decision because it's unfair to the team that he represents because not only did he hijack the, the what should have been an epically historic night turned into just sort of a reminder, oh, yeah, by the way, the spirit clinched that playoff spot, and you remove Megan Rapinoe's opportunity to protest, which – the Constitution really only protects you from the government. So everybody's right. saying it's a constitutional right. That's fine. He, it's his business. He can do what he wants. The Constitution can't interfere there. But what he, what I think he really messed up on is he took every other player's opportunity to honor the flag. Right. If that's something that's meaningful to them. And I think that is even more offensive. If I was a player, if I was on a player of the spirit or the rain that looked forward to an opportunity to put my hand on my heart – and look at the flag, they're a national anthem. There's a lot of athletes, including Russell Wilson, a couple of NBA players that have admitted, I'm not going to protest in that way, not because I don't agree, but because this is just this is a special moment for me. I enjoy this part of the sporting right. event. And so for him to take away from that is even more offensive to me. And I am just so, like, can patriotism be something that, that it doesn't have to do with the military? Like, I... 
if he, what I would have, what I wish he would have done is, one, they could have copped out of this whole thing. This is this is me thinking, like, how could he have done this different? They could have copped out of this whole thing by playing the national anthem and then apologizing for it, just like or not apologizing, like, we were just trying to get everything underway because of the delay, and no one would have thought anything different of it. There would have been conspiracy theories, right? right? But if you would have been like, whatever happened, let's just play soccer, there was a delay, we just want to watch soccer. Right. That aside, he also could have been... He also could have been the be- the better man in trying to admit I don't uh, like re- like telling her as a veteran I don't re- I don't appreciate this but I do respect your op- your you know dec- if you decide to do that please do it respectfully and again I'm sure I'm sure she just would have gone on one knee which is again the most respectful way you can disrespect the flag right and Monica as you know someone who stands right next to me during the national anthem at the Plex. I don't put my hand on my heart. Like, there's, and I still stand with everybody else, but the point that I'm making with that is there's, I don't know why the standing part is, like, the controversial part in all of this. And if a fan was sitting, we wouldn't make a big deal. People next to him might be like, well, this guy's kind of a dick. But no one else, like, it wouldn't make the news. And so... We're we're holding certain Americans up to a different standards. We're confused about um, about uh, you know why you should stand and all this sort of stuff. I'm sick of the everything being about why or about the fact they shouldn't stand. I really I, I can't wait for us to talk about why they're not standing. Exactly. Like, can we actually talk <laughs> about and. It's even more upsetting because if they were talking about if they were not standing in a sense of patriotism, like if this was about um, home veteran homelessness or something like that, the whole tone would be completely different then. So we're picking and choosing why we're upset, who we're upset at, and how and. I, it's it's not the military spaces or veteran spaces moments to control. And my last point that I'll make before Monica, I'll hand the mic over to you. In the press release, they talked about this, the national anthem being a part of sporting events to show and honor respect. False. The, the Chicago Cubs started playing, played it one day. It got a huge uh, response from the fans. They realized, hey, the fans like it when we put the national, the Star Spangled Banner at a game. Kept on playing it, and boom, it started becoming an American thing. And Americans suck at the national anthem at sporting <laughs> events. You go anywhere else in the world, and the whole crowd is belting out the worst their national anthem. We stand there like a bunch of drones, staring at the staring at the uh, the flag with our hand on our heart. Don't be wrong. This it's very patriotic. I'm not criticizing it, and I don't want to make, belittle anybody's experience they're having that. But comparatively to other nations, our, the sense of patriotism that we have in that moment is far underwhelming compared to other countries. Your turn. It, you know, I, I agree with pretty much everything everything you said. Um, the hijacking thing really, really pissed me off. Um, you could have used a better word, yep. first off. Um, she didn't put a gun to your head. It, it's not a plane. It's not a vehicle. Yeah. Um, she wasn't standing on the flag. She wasn't spitting on the flag. She didn't light the damn thing on fire. I come from a family, and in the article I wrote, I explained this. Actually, the, literally the first line of my article was, my great uncle was killed in the Korean War. 
my grandfather went over in support of bringing everyone home from the Korean War. My uncle met my aunt because they were both in the Army. My brother and my cousin both just are two-time Iraqi War vets. This flag, that anthem, they mean the world to me. But what also means the world to me is that my fellow countrymen have the right to take a knee and protest of the very thing that that flag symbolizes. My family has died for it. My family has bled for it. My family has sat on Skype during holidays and gotten a 15-minute phone call so that she and Colin Kaepernick and whoever else has the right to take that knee and protest. And what pisses me off is that no one is talking about why they're protesting. Because yet again, we have found some way to avoid the actual reason of why there is a protest. If you simply don't want someone to protest like this, talk about the damn issue, not about a flag. Essentially, a flag is material and colors. And yes, it's a symbol. And believe me, if anybody gets that, it's the kid from the military family. But it's still just that. It's a symbol. My brother thinks, like you do, that Colin Kaepernick's kind of an ass to begin with. He wishes, because he was protesting the police, that he would find a different way to do it. However, when I told him what Bill Lynch did, he said that's wrong. Because you absolutely took away... You were un-American in what you did. You took away someone's right to show their freedom of speech. And on top of that, what really, the other thing that pissed me off, is you forced your views on the entire stadium. You did not let them choose whether or not it offended them. You decided that that's what you wanted to do, so you did it. And, I mean, you're the owner of the team. I get that. That's your thing. I guess you have the authority to choose that. But it doesn't make you right. It it was wrong, period. What, What he did was wrong on all the fundamental reasons of being an American. The... Something that I, I tweeted out early on in this, in the, in the about hour long discussion that, that took over Twitter that in the NWSL <laughs> community. Um, and something that I wish I could have, like, I wish I had more than 140 characters and I wish that I could have been standing in front of Bill Lynch when I was saying it. That the old adage that these callers don't run like, applies here. Right. Like, not only do they not run, they don't hide from conflict. No. One of the things that we take pride in, and this is leaning on the military perspective of this, um, but I think it's true in every sense of being an American. It's one of the reasons why we have become such an amazing nation with so many capable human beings, is we don't hide from conflict. We... Uh, there's, trust me, I know that we hide from issues, social issues and stuff like that, <laughs> but there is always the other side. There's always going to be the Megan Rapinos. There's always going to be the, uh, the Martin Luther Kings and the Abraham Lincolns and everybody else who's like, no, 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 something needs to change. And on the other side, when there is, when there is something threatening the, the, the ways of life that we've already become accustomed to, 
we don't back down. I mean, George W. Bush showed, <laughs> showed us that right. uh, first day. He's like, good, planes in the towers, I'm going to put troops all over the world. Like, we're just, we're just going to war, just throwing darts at the yeah, <laughs> wherever, wherever my dart lands, that's where we're putting yep. boots on the Going to war there, going to war there, going to war there, just the whole region, just put people over there. Um, I'm not going to get into that discussion, but uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. Day. Yeah, that's for another day. But you get what I'm saying in that we don't hide from conflict. And so essentially the way that I view it, he hid the national anthem. Like he found his little pocket of time that he could like protect it and hold it like it's his precious. And like and he played it then and he hid it from that conflict. And that was embarrassing. It was. As, like it was just so – I would – I hate that it represented the Washington spirit because I was so embarrassed in that one moment Absolutely. to be a fan, to be a part, to be a part of the media that supports them. And it, I felt so guilty because I knew it had nothing to do with anybody else in the organization or any fan in that crowd. But in that one moment, I could not help but feel disdain for the organization as a whole and my involvement in it. Exactly. And that's how powerful – it was for him to hide the national anthem, to hide patriotism from a simple kneeling approach. It's so ridiculous. And for me, like that, that is where where's Hope Solo? That, that was cowardly. You yeah. don't. It's just. It's such a, like I don't put my hand over my heart when I stand for the national anthem, simply because for me. It's that moment of solace right before a game because I, when I played, like, that was the thing. Like, I, like, collected myself. I got ready for it. And it put me in a mindset. And it pumped me up to, like, go out there and play. And so, like, it, you know, it's funny because it bothers me when people talk during it unless they're singing. It bothers me when someone doesn't take their hat off. But when someone is kneeling in protest, I'm not that bothered by it. Which is weird, but, like, at the same time, if you're just standing there talking, like, you're just gossiping, like, you can shut up for, like, five seconds and listen to the anthem. And you're right, if you watch any other country, I mean, you watched the 2012 Olympics, and I don't know who was more excited about Mo Farah winning his gold medal, Mo Farah or the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, like, People were, they built out their team's songs as much as they built out their national anthems. And for as much as Americans say we have so much pride in that flag, we don't show it that well. Yeah. Unless planes are flying into towers. Yeah. Then we show it. Then we're all for it. Everybody's on board. Send the troops. But the minute someone kneels in protest of something that's actually happening on our soil, how dare you call us out on it? And it's yeah. completely hypocritical. And it disgusts me as an American. It's one of the things that I'm just sitting here looking at my country going, it's 2016. And we're literally talking about how someone's protesting the flag and it's completely disrespectful to the flag, but not talking about why they're doing it because they know they know that there's one way to get this out there. And that is to take a seat during the biggest part of being an American. And that's the purpose because it has to be talked about. So how do you do it? You go for the biggest bang for your buck. Yeah. And yet we're just talking about the flag. 
I would I would much rather have them completely take out the national anthem from a sporting event than to apply any sort of obligation and um, punishable action for players to stand. Right. Like if if players can be start becoming punished because they're kneeling, sitting, what? Look, you shouldn't be in the middle of the field doing windmills and running around and you know, right? You know, slapping slapping ass with the other team players on your team exactly. or whatever. Like that is you are now disrupting everybody else's opportunity to do what they want to do. But sitting down, kneeling, whatever it may be, you know what? Go back in the locker. You know, anything. Any, you know, right. something that's not disruptful. As soon as that becomes punishable, uh, like the U.S. hockey team coach has said that if you sit, you don't you don't play. Get right. out, get out of here. Just take the national anthem out of the whole thing, and let's not make patriotism some sort of punishable, like socially punishable thing now at a sporting event. Like it starts. And last night's a great example of how complete something that I ultimately think is completely unsports related. I don't think the national anthem, while it's like married to or wedded to it right now, um, I don't think it really has anything to do with sports. Right. Uh, and I just much rather want to see them just take it out and um, just not deal with the, the rest of this. Um, the the one entertaining part of this, and I know that you saw it, I know most people saw it. Um, if you didn't see it in real time, you at least saw a screenshot of it. Um, the Washington Spirit Twitter handle was hijacked um, <laughs> by, a, by a user uh, saying, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't feel like trying to pull it up, uh, th- this is what hijacking looks like. Uh, Megan Rapino has a right to protest, and then it says pickle out. Um, most of us that are familiar with the spirit staff are uh, confident on who that was. I don't think, Monica, have you seen anything from the spirit that's officially recognized that incident? Um, I have not. Um, I think they're just trying to let it go. Um, I I saw it and I laughed because, you know, there's an Oxford dictionary full of words and you chose hijack. Yeah. Could you be a little more terroristic with your word choice? (laughs) Like she's not a terrorist. Okay. She's a woman who's gay, who is oppressed, who knows that she's white and has a certain level of privilege and chose to use it in support of people of color. And I I agree with her in that point that, you know, even as as women who are white, we do have still that certain level of, of white privilege. And in order for things to change, we do need to stand with um, people of color and show them that while we understand that there is an issue, we may not understand exactly what it is that they're going through, but we understand enough to go, you know what, we stand with you. We, we're going to try and do whatever it is that we can do to bring awareness to this and to fix this. And for that, I, I'm grateful and I hope that she keeps kneeling and I hope that when she comes to the national team that she keeps kneeling although with all the crap we'll call it crap 
uh, that's going on with U.S. soccer. I don't really know. Uh, she may get the hope treatment if she attempts to kneel. Um, it's just so, it's so difficult. And and I just, like, in the NBA, there have been players in the past that have not knelt. They have not sat. They just simply turned around. They just didn't face the flag. And you would have thought they lit the thing on fire and peed on it to put it out. Yeah. It's, it's honestly, it's gotten to the point where it's ridiculous. So, I, this is where this, the approach to that people like Bill Lynch have taken on trying to, in their own hands, take away those opportunities. Um, you know, we're going to see more people do it. You right. know, I, th- I think the response, at least from the fans, if I was a fan, I would, I would decide to sit. The Spirit um, Squadron... When Rapino got on the field, when your own supporters club is seen there screaming, let her kneel, you yeah. have officially crossed the line. And part yeah. of me really wants the whole spirit team to take a knee in Seattle. Just because it's just like, you know what, Bill, you were wrong. And you shouldn't have done that. Um, I don't think they will. Um, I think it's probably smart if they don't. But part of me is kind of like, you know what, ladies, freaking do it. Yeah. He didn't tell think, you, he didn't warn you, and he put you in this position. As someone who would, I would definitely be one of those people tempted to use this as a way of protesting against people trying to control my, the opportunity to protest. Right. But I hope that there, I hope that the players in the league are, are prudent enough to realize that doing that continues to distract from the core reason of why this is happening. And as soon as this becomes a can we or can't we protest and can we or can we can't we allow them to, this will quickly spiral out of control, no longer ever be about what Colin Kaepernick originally sat down for, and it'll just be another attempt at trying to raise awareness for the injustice that is occurring in America to be swept aside and no one because it's the everything's just going to be about should people protest and should we allow them to protest in this fashion so I'm confident that the spirit will not kneel because I've been very you know right that that team is a very smart team on and off the field um and they may have one person decide to do it you know whatever it may be but I think that um, this, trying to shake the entire um, discussion in this is going to quickly distract. And um, while that may be a good thing in some ways, if you go back to the original reason of why this right. is all occurring, I think I think we'll, it would start truly taking away from that. Well, and that's like what I, I posted um, when Seattle put out their statement, which I feel Bill should have just done. He, she, Seattle put out the statement, while we may not agree with the way Megan is going about this, we agree that she has the right to do it. And we support her and her decision in partaking in the national anthem however she sees fit. And the the anger part of me is the part of me that wants them, the whole team to kneel. They're smarter than that. They're going to keep it so that, you know what, let Pino kneel, let her do her thing. If they choose to kneel, I think it would be in in solidarity with Megan 
and Kaepernick more so than to yeah. to go, you know, kind of F.U. Bill. Um, but part of me feels like someone needs to say F.U. Bill. Um, but I, I, well, it's going to be interesting to see because you know Seattle's going to play the National Anthem, and you know Pino's going to take a knee, and you know the fans yeah. are going to go crazy. And that's great, yeah. and they should. And I would love to see in Seattle the whole stadium just take the knee. Take the knee with Pino. I I think I think that I think we've made I think the response has been a big enough fu to Bill Lynch. Uh, he I mean, was he not w- available for media today. Yeah, and ex- exactly. So, you know, where I'll give him sort of the benefit of the doubt. If you take away the word hijack, mm-hmm. then this whole thing turns into a grumpy old guy just trying to get his way. Right. You know, and you know that may be over. That may be oversimplifying it, but in the end, it would have been like, well, that was kind of a, a, a crappy thing to do. You know, right. and there would be more frustration. But the word hijack, as you as you pointed out, just taints the whole thing uh, with malice. It does. And and that is what ter- made, I think made the whole thing. I think that's what infuriated people so quickly to then, you know. Over not overreact, but definitely um, overbearingly pour on the sentiment. And so, you know, had he had to just been like, with no press release, maybe an official statement afterwards, right. like, uh, you know, he even could have been very humble and like, look, I'm, I'm I'm an Air Force veteran. I lost friends, whatever. You know, I actually, you know, now that it's happened, I, re- you know, I I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with it, but. It was a decision I made. I apologize if that upsets anybody. And they would have been like, "All right, that was a crappy thing to do. Please don't do that again." Um, you know, there would still they would it would still make the news and everything. But fans wouldn't have to feel so betrayed, right? You know, by the, an organization that they uh, that they support week after week. So uh, fortunately, anybody that uh, knows the spirit and knows the organization and has gotten to know any of the players knows that that. Um, that team is full of good hearts, good brains, and good intentions. Absolutely. So, and I think that's um, why it, it hurts so much. Because yeah. I literally said, why did this have to be my team? Because yeah. it, it, they are, and they have been for, for so long, through the WUSA, WPS, you know, all of them, such a classy organization that this almost completely negates the last 20 years of soccer that – it, that this franchise has had and and that's just sad because it could have yeah. been done so differently it, it didn't need to be done in the first place um but yeah i mean I, it's it, it hurts and it negates also the fact that the spirit for the first time in franchise history has a home playoff game yeah. and it's funny because the the spirit squadron tweeted We've never seen Allie Krieger so full of glee after the game because she realized she's going to have a home playoff game. And she and Diana Matheson have been there all four years. And Christine Nairn's going to have a home playoff game on the field she grew up playing on. And Joanna Loman's going to have a home playoff game in front of her entire family because all I mean, Loman, Nairn, and Krieger are all from the DMV area. This yeah. was supposed to be that moment for those three. That moment for Diana Matheson, who has been here all four years. And no one's talking about that. And he ended up doing what he, quote-unquote, was trying to prevent. 
Yeah. It's um, it's unfortunate. This is why I, I wanted this to be the second segment because I knew <laughs> that this this could have got this could go on for even longer. Um, and I wanted to make sure that we did talk about what was important first. Right. Um, and that anybody who is sick of this conversation <laughs> could hit stop as soon as we started talking about the <laughs> national anthem, uh, while still getting their their weekly dose of uh, of Washington spirit. That said, very excited about the season moving forward. I personally, uh, for uh, both matchup reasons and um, and personal reasons, would like to see the Washington Spirit host the Chicago Red Stars. Yes. Um, I, th- you know, even though you know Press wasn't there and other players weren't playing as well as they are now, uh, the Spirit have performed well against uh, or put, performed well against Chicago earlier in the season. Um, I, we'll see at the end of the season if that still holds true, but that'll be a different game because playoffs will, will pop, may even already be set by that point. Right. Um, so. I personally would like to see them play Chicago. Do you have a preference? Um, I prefer Chicago. Um, I I will take Western New York, Um, although I kind of would like to see Western New York play Portland and and see who comes out on top when when it all comes down to to what matters. Um, Plus, I really want to see, like we'll see in the, the final game, possibly depending upon whether or not everyone's made a playoff, I really want to see McCaffrey and Press against our back five. Um, and I want to see DiBernardo in, in that midfield. again. Uh, their midfield stacks up, I think, so well with our midfield. And, um, you know, whether we have Weiss or LeBay in goal against Nair is going to be a, a hell of a battle and um, possibly full of many, many saves of the week. Um, I think... I think it would be one hell of a semifinal. I think it's going to be one hell of a final game, but it will definitely be um, one hell of a semifinal. Absolutely. Monica, it has been a pleasure talking with you. You were on Twitter at, what is Mon- it? Mons 59. 57, 59. Or 59. Yes. I'm sorry. M O N Z 59. And you're a contributor over at Backline Soccer. Yes. Everybody at Backline has been extremely kind to me and uh, welcoming me in my first year of NWSL. So I really appreciate that. Oh, yes. That. We love you. You were the first guy yeah. on, our, uh, on our webcast. I was not there that night, but you held down the spirit quite well for us. Thank you. And as I mentioned then, I was really surprised that I was the first guy to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think we had any firsts. Uh, I thought we uh, we uh, took as many as we could uh, throughout, throughout history. <laughs> Next week on Follow Your Spirit, uh, I hope to have – I currently have scheduled, but you never know uh, – I hope to have a retired spirit player. Um, some people have caught on. There is lightning in the forecast of that, uh, that podcast. Um Looking forward to that. And, Monica, I hope to have you on again sometime. Oh, absolutely. And you know you're always welcome uh, over at Backline Soccer on TSR. (laughs) 